The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Down there, and 
sure enough, there was a 10-foot plume over there. Not sure if it's fresh water again or, you know, what we're seeing, but it was definitely, you know, 10-foot thick and there. What is your delivery with this evidence, with this information, this data that you're collecting? Are you delivering it to any laboratories uh, for creating evidence for uh, government facilities? How is that working? Uh, well, actually, we're, we're looking for people to help us study it. We can get all the samples that, that, um, you know, that, that we want to study. It's just finding somebody to analyze it, and it's the cost of the analysis. So we've had a, a university to step up and do some initial tests for us on, um, on our, mostly on our water samples from the inside, but a little bit of the offshore stuff below Grand Isle. But so far, we really hadn't had anybody step up to do the research from south and east of the river, except for, you know, we have been delivering some water samples to, uh, you know, to a government agency just to, just to maybe tell us if, you know, what we're diving in. Is it um, becoming apparent at this stage that this is becoming an old story that do you, do you think that this has as much emphasis in the mainstream as it did uh, uh, eight or ten weeks ago? Unfortunately, no. And, I mean, I don't know how they can expect something like this just to go away. You know, we've got video evidence of anomalies that are out there. It's subsurface. Um, you know, what is it? And, no, we're not getting, you know, uh, the attention in the media that we were, nor are we getting answers um, even yet, I mean, you can't get it from media. Media can't get it. They just as far as um, you know. How about core exile? Have you heard the word core exile? Does anybody saying if they're still putting this stuff in the water? You know, are they aerial spraying this? Um, you know, what's happening with the, with the well? They say they capped it. That that's cool. You know, we're glad they capped it. But what kind of cap? Is it a diffusing cap? Does it allow them to? you know, inject um, core exide into any oil seepage that's coming out of it so that this stuff doesn't surface. Um, what does surface? Are they aerial spraying at night? Um, this is what I'd like to know before I dive anymore because, you see, I'd heard from the government that, you know, or from the, the news, they were saying, oh, it's, you know, it's almost over. It's about cleaned up. Most of it's gone. You know, we're going to open back up the fisheries. So I'm thinking, okay, let's go, you know, I hate to do this, but now we've got to go back south and east of the river. I don't want to go diving in that stuff over there because I told myself, you know, that I should just stay out of it. If there's a potential, I should just stay out of it. Let me, uh, uh, let me ask you, what is your uh, current health condition? I know that you've just come back. From another tour, and you're rather unwell. Uh, what are the uh, condition conditions that you're facing in yourself? Well, I don't I don't feel so unwell right now. What happened was I dove Saturday, and then um, out at Lena, which is Mississippi Canyon 280, and um, I passed up 194 because it was just the water was just too. Uh, it was like a thick green, so I passed up 194 and went on to uh, 280, which is another 10 miles southeast, I mean, southwest of that location, to try to get better water. So we dove there, and there was that anomaly at the surface again, about, you know, 30 feet. Um, wasn't as thick as it was before, but we turned around and came back and dove again on Monday. Took a seat restoration folks out and the local Fox News out. And I dove out there, and it was practically no seas that day. I did get seasick for some reason, thinking because I swallowed some of the water at the surface when I took my scuba gear off. And, um, and when I got in the boat, I tried to flush that by drinking a lot of fresh water. So I don't know if that's what made me seasick or not, but I know that on my ride home, I had to drive my boat back. And on my drive back, both of my hands were cramping. 
to where I, it was hard for me to grab the steering wheel or the uh, my throttles. Late, later on that night, I had to uh, move a rig out of Port Sulphur, so I didn't get to go home. I went straight to that rig and got on that rig. And um, by 10 o'clock, I had, you know, cramps in my side, and my legs started cramping. Well, by midnight, they had cramp- I had to, ended up having the worst leg cramps that I ever had. I'm, I've got... I've had 30 years martial arts experience, and I still compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I'm, I'm used to cramps, you know, and it's not like I'm out of sh- But these were the worst leg cramps I've ever felt. I mean, they were debilitating. I couldn't walk, and it was just, it was just perilous there for about two hours. And finally, they started to go away. I don't know. I can't say what it was from. I just know how I felt, and that, um, and that I woke up the next morning with a heavy chest. And I've been noticing after, you know, the last couple of dives, um, because they've been on a main pass there a week or so before that, and I noticed the next morning I woke up with a frog in my throat. What about about others around you, Scott, that are working with you or that you come across that area? Nobody's experienced anything like this. I mean, you know, I I called Billy Nungesser's office because he gave us a card and said, any time, call if you need anything. So I called Billy Nungesser's office to maybe ask them how I would go about finding some information about if they were still putting this stuff out in the water. We called, you know, we, we put in a word to the governor's office um, to see if they can find out because the governor's office has been contacting us for our footage. And we've sent plenty of underwater footage of this stuff to the governor's office, and they're, they're checking it out right now. And so we figured we could turn around and call and ask and see if we couldn't um, get an answer to, are they still spraying this stuff, aerial spraying at night? Are they injecting it at the site? Because if they are, then there's, I do not need, do not want to be in that water out there. And, and nobody else, even Nungesser's office, says, "Hey, look, we got people out this every out, that are out in it every day." They said, "I don't know if they're diving." They didn't say they were diving. They said they're out on in it every day, and nobody's feeling bad. So I can't say that it was necessarily from that day. All I know is that um, maybe diving two out of three days out in that area wasn't a good idea, or maybe it was just fatigue on my part. All that I know is that I've got a dry suit that I was diving in, and even so, I'm not willing to go back and dive south and east of the river again. Let me turn to Mike Boatwright. Uh, Mike, you have been accompanying Scott uh, on his travels, and you are obviously uh, in those waters much of your time, much of your life. What is, uh, what is it that you are seeing at the moment? How has life changed in that area? Well, as far as uh, the way people fish and things like that, and none of that's really uh, back to normal. And well, you're obviously somewhat acquainted with the Gulf. You're acquainted with the, the shorelines and the communities. Yeah. How do you think that this oil spill has affected people's lives in that whole region? Well, it, it's affected them terribly. You know, a lot of, a lot of people are uh, not really back to work. Obviously, there's uh, a great fear of, you know, is seafood good, is it not? And is the government telling us the truth? Because I think that, you know, we've been very disappointed in a lot of things that's happened with government. If, if you look back uh, in the days of Katrina, you know, the, the Corps of Engineers failed us. And, you know, we feel like the EPA has failed us. And there's it, just a, a variety of distrust for, for government. So we know that a lot of oil went into the, the Gulf, and, and, of course, they use Corexit. And, you know, you can do your own searches on the Internet for what the toxins do and how they break down, and that the crude has been put into the water column. 
that's that's the last thing you really wanted to do. I mean, if you want to separate it from the beach, you want to separate it from the marsh, uh, you need to do that. Probably the worst place you could have put it was in the water column. So there's a lot of distrust because, you know, we know millions of gallons have been in, and the latest report from the government is basically, oh, well, it's all dissipated and it's all, all gone, it's evaporated. What is, the, what is the role of the Coast Guard in that area, Mike? Uh, well, the Coast Guard has been pretty much in charge of everything, and, you know, I've, I've not had any, any issues with the Coast Guard or any, anything like that. They do what the Coast Guard always does, but I've, I've uh, you know, I've heard that they've been very strict on different uh, media groups and, you know, in the past and not allowing different stuff to go on. And I've, I've, you know, what I've heard and what I know, I, I can't really say because I don't know exactly what they've done. I, I hear different things, and I have no way of backing it up, actually. So I, I don't know what to say about that. So if you were going to sum this up in your own words, how do you think that this area, all along the, the coastlines of Louisiana, Texas, Florida, and, and other states are, will be affected in, in the long term, in 10 or 20 years from now, do you think that it will be very much... Uh, as it uh, uh, worked out in the Valdez crisis, do you think that the fishing industries will be um, hurt beyond repair? Do you think that people's lives will change because of this? Well, well let me say this. I don't think we really know yet. And I, I think that a lot of research does need to be done. But I will say this. The Gulf of Mexico is not, uh, you know, Prince William Sound. It's a very resilient, warm body of water. Now, what we have seen in the Gulf is, okay, we have seen oil everywhere. We see, you know, patches that are, you know, supposedly always this bomb, but we see it. But we also see a really resilient Gulf where a lot of the, the uh, fish are back and they're, they seem like they're doing really well and, like, reefs look healthy. A lot of these reefs are reefs. You know, so we do see a, a resilient Gulf that, that seems like it can really get on control of things. As far as, you know, the long-term effects, I think it, it, it's going to be subject to more study, and I think we might be jumping the gun a little bit as far as opening up all these different fishing areas, but I really don't know. I do know this, that we have some pretty good data sets that we're starting to acquire, and that we, we think that if we can continue doing this work, that there are some things that tell us the whole story. We have some different ways to look at things in a, sort of a three-dimensional plane, that uh, can give us a backtrack of time, depth of water, and uh, exactly what's passed through. And I, I think that's, you know, we don't have all the data yet, and I don't think anyone else does either. For you, Scott, in continuing this and progressing this, this creation of data in the long term, what is that predicated by? Uh, are you, where are you gaining your funding from in order to continue this, this work? We've been working as a small group of eco-rigs, and it's uh, under ecorigs.org. This has been pretty much self-funded at this point. Uh, we have gotten no real outside funding from anyone. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some funding, you know, directly from some groups or we have some things out. We even have some things uh, going that, that just went out to NOAA. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, we can get some funding to continue to work. I well, believe that not, it, not going into that, <laughs> into the you know government uh, help that we may get. It's what we can do right now is just on the normal surveys where we're going out and studying the reef on and video in the reef under our normal coral surveys. Right now, we're able to 
um, collect other indicator organisms that, you know, believe it or not, there's things down there, like Michael said, that can act as a, um, you know, they can give us background data on, on time and such once we've uh, tested them over, you know, a couple of different times in the same location. Yeah, there are indicator organisms that we're harvesting, you know, that, that do tell us a lot. Let me turn to Pat O'Brien, if I may. You have been uh, following this uh, ever since the Deepwater Horizon uh, exploded on the 20th of April. You're based in Florida, Pat. How are you looking at this at the moment, uh, listening to these gentlemen? How do you view this situation? Well, you, you, the one nice thing about Kevin... These gentlemen on with us, there's some scientists that are actually speaking with us. Uh, we're finding a number of the sources that we had chatted with, even in the course of this program, that are now starting to not speak because of where they're getting their funding. Uh, and the, uh, they're um, coming under where they're in non-disclosure agreements or have to turn their findings into specific areas, whether it be BP or whether it be um, NOAA. You know, now the U.S. government Friday opened up more of the federal waters in the Gulf of Mexico for commercial and recreational fishing that had been closed since the spill, and they're opening up another 4,280 square miles of water um, off the uh, western coast of Louisiana. Uh, the sheen hasn't been seen there since July 29th. Uh, scientists uh, were finding no dispersants and, or samples uh, in the uh, shrimp and fish. But when you really try to get to the bottom of that and ask the uh, Department of Agriculture, they can't tell you whether they're testing for the dispersant, the corrected product that was uh, uh, alluded to before, uh, whether or not they're actually testing for this. I think... From what I'm finding out from various sources, uh, that the reopening is possibly quite premature, and that the long range, knowing that that these uh, this uh, product works over the course of time, the more you're exposed to it, the more symptoms you get. Much like what Scott experienced, and I was very concerned. Uh, when we spoke uh, about a week ago after he had gotten off from uh, the boat, I was very concerned because of the symptoms that he's getting. This this works as a, uh, a collective. Um, the more you're exposed, the more uh, there's an opportunity that you're going to uh, show symptoms of it. As we noticed from Merle Savage, who was on the program with us, and, and did 21 years of this painful experience uh, following her work at the Exxon Valdez site. We have two concerns here. We have the uh, possibility of a very affected food chain, uh, which is going to create health problems in itself. We also have the problems of materials such as Corexit. Is there any reluctance uh, in Florida or any of those southern states to actually eat the food out of the Gulf at this stage, or is it has the story died so much that that people just are not aware of the, of the dangers in eating seafood from the Gulf? Well, as we talked about around 10 days ago or so, I said that the um, the news media would not be covering this story. Um, anywhere close to the extent I, I had predicted that with you on uh, one of the, the programs that we did. And, in fact, um, there's been 
all but a news blackout on the fact that, uh, like, these guys can't find out, you know, is this person still being used? I have sources that say, yes, in fact, it is. I also have a, a number of sources, but they won't go, they won't go on to a medium to discuss it. Uh, we're also finding out that um, the big news uh, is, of course, Sunday was the anniversary of the of Hurricane Katrina hitting into uh, the South. The news that had been uh, covered in uh, the, the media was primarily on five years after Katrina, rather than talking about the the oil spill, which is still a major story. The idea is we are coming into a political season, and the sooner that this thing can be swept under the rug and not out of sight, out of mind. Let me let me just turn to Scott Porter. You know, Scott, uh, you're in the water. Uh, you're experiencing firsthand uh, these oil plumes. You're seeing the destruction uh, to the uh, the estuaries and the marshlands. Wouldn't it be sensible? Doesn't it? Does it not make common sense at this stage that the food chains must be terribly affected now? You know, as far as whether they're oil plumes, that, as a scientist, I have to say we we see plumes. We're not sure what there are, what what there's there, and because of that, now we can't be sure what's in the food chain. And I'll tell you this, I love to fish, I love to eat fish, and there's nothing more that I would rather do than go out there and catch a fish today and eat it. However, you know, I wouldn't go south and east of the river and catch a fish and eat it. I mean, that's just me, though. That's because I I can't be sure, you know, would anybody else, would you go out there and catch a fish, and if I carved it up for you, without a worry or without a doubt in your mind, would you eat that fish? And then that's the question to ask folks. Say, all right, let me, let me go catch you one and let me put it on the plate in front of you, cook the way you like it, and then you tell me if you can, with a clear conscience, know that you're safe, eat that fish. So that's why it's, it's imperative that we have um, independent lab analysis of, of, this, uh, of the tissues in fish, of the water samples, and of my reef samples. And if we go with the government-funded things, projects right now, which is, that's unfortunately the only place that has the money that's offering money out there. So that's why the nonprofit asks for the government help. And we haven't received any, so don't get me wrong. It's not like we've got many. But me as an independent consulting biologist, because that's what I am for the state. I'm an independent biologist. I would prefer to have private funding that doesn't care what we find, just send it to the laboratory, test it, and then we can disseminate the information, not have to sit on it, and we'll be able to tell it all. If we find stuff that, you know, there's nothing in the tissue of these, of these fish, we pulled fish from south, east, and west of the river, and there's nothing in it, well, then great. Hey, that's what I want to hear because I want to start eating these fish. But at the same time, if we send it out there and they find heavy metals or other stuff that are starting to collect in the tissues of the fish, well, then it must be told. And if, you know, if you don't have independent funding, if you don't get um, just an angel investor or whatever that can, that can fund just a test right now, shoot, if you can pay for just a test, that'd be great. We'll send a sample. If you want to pay for fuel and the test, hey, even better, we'll have more samples than you can possibly analyze you know, in a good, timely manner. They'll get stuff out, but we can, we can overwhelm them with samples, I guarantee you. I am assuming, Scott, therefore, from this, that you are finding it difficult to gain funding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
You know, Susan Shaw, who's bigger than us, she's got the name. Um, we would love to send uh, water samples to her or fish samples to her, but she doesn't, they don't have the funding to do the analysis right now. There's other universities that would love to do um, this test. There's University of Arkansas, they would do them in a heartbeat. And it's only like $400 a test. But, we, you know, we've already overwhelmed them in the number of samples that we've sent already, and we've used up the money that they have for it. But at least there's some, there's some promising answers that are beginning to give us pointers, and we're getting close. It's just now we're running out of our life savings. You know, we've spent our life savings doing this. It's not going to stop. I still have a job. I still work. So every couple hundred dollars I get, it's going to fuel. <laughs> so it's going to air tanks, filling the air in the air tanks. But right now, I'll tell you the truth, I can't dive south and east of the river to get those samples. I mean, Mike and Steve, my colleagues, they're willing still to dive, but I personally will not dive over there to take those samples. Thank you. Let me just ask you this, Scott. What is the effect on your body suits when you dive into this stretch of water? Well, you know... In my dry suit, you know, to tell you the truth, I do have some wrinkling around the, the rubber of my collar. I don't know if it's, you know, it could just be age. It could be sunlight. I mean, you know, our suits get used, you know, out there a lot. So uh, not so much the dry suit. Usually it's wet suits, but now I'm driving, diving in my dry suit. It, you know, uh, it's it's hard to say because we're climbing all over the reef, so it gets dirty with that. and. And, um, but I do have some wrinkling of the collars and the cuffs, as if there may be something um, happening there with the glue or the rubber. But um, it, it's nothing that I can, you know, quantify, I guess you could say. Now, when you're diving, uh, what are you seeing exactly? Are you seeing evidence of dead fish? Sure. It's, um, it's not so much dead fish. What we see is we get in at the surface and we swim to the rig, shooting with the camera the whole time. Now, at the surface, you it, it's... It's kind of dark up there, so you don't have but maybe five-foot visibility or so. And so um, by the time you get approach a rig leg, well, you get a, a hazy, you know, shot of the rig leg as you approach it. And, um, you know, I have seen some, you know, color changes in the barnacle reef at that surface and down to, you know, 10, 15, 20 feet, depending on the area. Cognac and, and Main Pass have definitely had some reef damage up there as far as what it looks like to me as far as on the barnacle reef. So as you dive down that first 20 feet, it's like passing through, um, you know, kind of silty uh, river water. So that's when people are thinking, well, maybe it's that freshwater diversion. It's got so much fresh water pumped out there that you're getting that mixing, that surface mixing right there, which, you know, that's definitely part of it. But there's, you know, there's a bunch of particles and stuff that are floating by that kind of look like mucus that we haven't seen before. And, so, um, you know, we keep diving down past 25, 30 feet, and then it starts to open up, and we'll have 50, 60, sometimes more feet visibility. And you can see, you know, across the rig, across the platform, and then if you are down at that depth, let's say 30, 40 feet, it is clear. It's a little dark because you've got that those clouds over you. It's like a cloudy day. You can take the camera and pan back up and look at the surface, and you can see a delineation between that blue or the clear water and that brown green stuff that sits on the surface. And, you know, we're used to seeing a green zone on the top. I'm not used to seeing a brown corona in the middle of that green zone. In you your know, estimation, how long do you think it would take before 
these plumes before these layers completely dissipate? I, I really couldn't tell you. I thought maybe with the, with the storms and stuff that would that would turn it over. And some of that is happening. You can see some of the stuff that was dissolved or suspended. It's now um, reforming at the surface on the protein uh, scum from the waves, and now it's, you know you're getting that oil reformed back up there. So some of it is being pulled out by wave action, but you know it's a, there's a 30 foot zone right there that. Um, I, I just couldn't even venture a guess now looking at it because it hasn't dissipated yet. And I was hoping maybe if they'd stop the leak and stop putting core exide in it, that the Mississippi River pumps out enough fresh water and detritus that it would lock a lot of that stuff up and sink it. Uh, in watching your own local news out of New Orleans, are, are they mentioning the Corexit uh, as a dispersant, or are they just using the words dispersant? Uh, how are they handling that in your local news? Uh, maybe Mike can tell you. I haven't heard either one of those words. Mike, have you heard? I, I have not. Words? Be honest. I don't. I don't watch it enough. We're we're out a lot, and I've I've watched it very little. I don't. I mean, I don't own the television. I just I just don't watch mainstream news. I haven't uh, had a lot of faith in what they say, and uh, I really haven't watched it that much. I I can't I can't answer that. Uh, it's it's we, the same thing here in Florida too. We're not. We're in our local news. We're not hearing anything about the the toxicity, which we know exists, and many people will admit it. Not out of the government, but uh, many people that are involved with this do know the toxicity and the fact that it increases when it's mixed with that sweet crude that you have in in the Gulf. Uh, that the toxicity levels go up. Yeah, hey, Pat, I'll tell you this much. We just took Fox News 8, our local news out, um, on Monday. That was the dive. Uh, that was the day we, we um, went out with the sea turtles. We took Fox News out. And when they ran their piece, um, they didn't speak about the dispersed oil or Corexite. They didn't say anything about either one of those. And they had all of the footage, 40 minutes of footage, and they did not once pan- show the clip that panned up and saw the um, whatever that plume is. They did not show the plume clip, which is, I mean, that's kind of strange to me because that was the most dramatic thing on the, on, on the video that I had shot a couple of days before. All they really showed was the live um, uh, reef fish that were swimming around. It looked like a, um, a, beautiful, a beautiful, pristine reef. So they used, the, they used the best part of the video as far as what looked like there was little effect. And, you know, they used a nice, bright um, side of the rig that you couldn't see much of the stuff that was in the water. All you saw was the fish and some snapper and some, you know, just some obligatory reef fish that were around there. Pat O'Brien, you've been covering this for many months now. Where do you think that this is all going? You're, you're located down there in Florida. It appears that this story has somewhat disappeared. It's an unknown as to what the future uh, has ahead uh, for people, uh, particularly in Louisiana, along those coastlines. Uh, do you think that this story will die? We're going into an election season now. Um, the last thing they, they want, um, the government officials want, is to be uh, people talking about this story. This is the worst disaster uh, that the United States has ever seen, and yet at the same point, uh, the news coverage has been abominable. I mean, they, there's nobody that is covering the story as to the possible dangers. We're looking at uh, two or three new hurricanes that are coming this way. One is a, a Category 5 that's floating there, although it's not expected to go into the Gulf area. It's expected to 
uh, miss it and go up the coast. But there's there's two more behind that that are serious, and my question still remains, and we don't seem to be able to get any answers. What happens if one of these, like a Katrina, and God forbid that should happen, but what should happen if that were to go up like Katrina did? What is going to be the effect on the coastlines then? What would your response to that be, Scott Porter? Would you have any estimation as to what sort of damage would be created? You know, it's hard to say. They're, they're saying there's a tar at the bottom of the Gulf. Um, you know, how do we how do we confirm that? Mike's got a boat with a sonar out there that could paint this stuff if they would let us go out and get close to it and see what's kind of He could tell us the density of it. But, I mean, it's just like, you know, there's nobody to tell us. There's the people that are talking about it, for some reason or another, they... They just, I guess they're like me. They can't put any factual, hard factual evidence out there, so they just prefer not to say anything. Um, let's, in the last 10 minutes of the program, if we may, let's start with you, uh, Scott Porter. For the sake of our listeners who are worldwide, just give us an, uh, an overview of what you see, what you've experienced, the sadness that you have for that area, and, and also at the same time your level of positiveness about the future, what would you respond to those those different elements in that question? Well, since I want to, since, since personally, I'm an optimist and I want to end on a good note, on a positive note. I'll say this first: is I'd like to dedicate my portion of this program to a guest that you had on here that I was with on here last time, who's not with us anymore, uh, Matthew Simmons, which is a another conversation we could have all of its own, but um. I'd like to say that when we went out a few weeks after the event and I saw that, you know, that first plume up there, I said, you know, our reefs are resilient. We can bounce back from this. Um, you know, they, it's not going to hurt these. These organisms are strong. Um, a few, several weeks later, and after seeing some of the thickest plumes out there that I'd ever, you know, could ever imagine being in the Gulf, and if you would have told me um, in December of last year that in six months you wouldn't want to dive south and east of the river, I would have told you you're crazy. At, at that six months and seeing the cloud that was there, now I was extremely scared for the rest of the Gulf. At this point, um, I've dove south of Fushon and seen uh, when the southern wind blows, it blows blue water in there, and it's some of the clearest we've ever seen it. So it's um, most of, you know, what I believe below the state, um, from Fushon westward, I would eat those fish any day. I'd eat that shrimp. Any shrimp caught up on the inside or oysters caught on the inside, I would eat those shrimp, and I'd eat those fish. But um, I wouldn't eat anything that came from south or east of the river. So I'm kind of, it's kind of a, a good, bad. I'm, I'm hopeful for the, for the rest of it that this place will get cleaned up. You know, we've got extremely strong uh, species that live here. It's an, a dynamic region of the world, so we don't have a lot of number of species, but a few species that we do, we've got a tremendous amount of them because they're a strong and hardy species. So I believe that we will rebound. I could not put a time frame on it. No, let me rephrase that. It will rebound. I guarantee you nature will overcome this. No doubt about it. What price that it'll take, you know, as far as on the environment, what toll it'll take, and and how long it takes to rebound to where it was before, that's anybody's guess. Pat O'Brien, you're in Florida. Uh, very briefly, how do you see the future panning out in this particular issue? Again, uh, part of the problem is uh, we're not getting the news. We're not getting the news as to um, you know, where all these water samples, where have they gone and what are they saying? Uh, it's uh, kind of a, a similar thing to Katrina five years where 
that region of the country wasn't getting the facts. They were getting minimal help. I think that's the case here, that there has been millions of millions of dollars, over well over $50 million in the tracking of advertising that is keeping this whole thing quiet. I, I still believe from people that will talk to us but don't want to really uh, go on the air, um, and people like Matt Simmons that was just mentioned, that, uh, that a lot of people do not want bad news going out uh, across any airwaves. And let me turn to Mike Boatwright. Mike, in your view, how do you see the future in the Gulf in the Gulf states now? Well, I have to tell you, David, I, I am an extreme optimist, but I will say we need transparency, and we need to dig into the facts and study this thing uh, very well. I don't, I don't think we're quite ready yet. I, I don't think that it's uh, ready to be fished, and that's my personal opinion, although you know the government is saying, uh, oh, yes, it's fine. I, I just I see too much um, as far as uh, the oil still being around. I do see a resilient gulf, and I do know that this gulf takes a lot of seepages on a normal basis and can handle the soil. There are microbes that, that actually eat it and destroy it, and, uh, and it, it has just this amazing resiliency, and I think it's going to take a little time, but I, I do believe it's going to be uh, up and operational and that fits uh, itself. I mean, it's just an amazing ecosystem, and unless you've been around uh, with these waters, you, you really can't really appreciate it. And, I mean, I do know, like, some of the things that we've been seeing, uh, we're seeing a lack of bait fish and a lack of bait balls, a lack of birds. And um, slowly but surely, um, you know, as we're going out, we're starting to see them closer to shore. We're starting to see things bounce back already. Now, if, if there are uh, still toxins in the food chain, I think that there probably are, and I think it remains to be seen because uh, we don't have a good data set. We don't have enough data to really uh, study this, and I haven't, I haven't seen it. I mean, I've seen things that we have coming in, and um, it's saying that we still, we still have issues, and I, I do think that the Gulf will recover, and I don't think it's going to take a tremendous amount of time. I think it's a little too soon right now. Scott Porter, Mike Boatwright, Pat O'Brien, thank you for joining me today on In Discussion. Thank you, David. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. And uh, this also, um, in supporting Scott Porter's uh, statement, uh, act as a tribute to uh, Mr. Simmons, who joined us in uh, the month of June. We were very sorry to hear of his passing. To our listeners, if you need information on this or any other program in the series, please visit davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.